Uh, this morning we're going to go back to the book of Colossians. So if you have a Bible, please take that out. and Let's pray as you take that out uh, that the Lord would teach us this morning. So Father, I just want to come for a moment to you and into your presence and ask that you would kindly teach us from your word this morning. We pray that you would set our minds on Jesus. That we would understand just the fullness of your grace, the immensity of your power, just the glory that you deserve, Lord, the worship, that we would be fully submitted and, and obedient to you. So, Lord, this morning we pray that you would cause us to surrender to your word, that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would control, Lord, my mind and my heart and my lips as I preach your word this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. It seems like forever since I've actually been here preaching. Uh, last week, uh, I preached, I shook all your hands, and then we went home and we surprised our kids and, and we said, hey, do you want to go to Disneyland, uh, Disney World? And they said, are, are you serious? <laughs> we said, yeah, we're serious. So we packed up right after church, we surprised, and we went down to Florida this week, drove down and uh, spent the week with Mickey Mouse and friends in the Magic Kingdom. And, uh, you know, there's just, it's a great time, all kinds of good, of course, you got the rides and and all those things. The funniest thing that happened, we were on uh, uh, the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Is that how the name is? I never get the name right. But that, that ride, and we're going. It was, it's a cool roller, st- roller coaster. You're sitting on a train, and you go through a, 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 a mines and, and, and a mining town. And so we're, we get onto this ride, and we're beginning to go on this roller coaster. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. We've been a couple times, and I love this ride. So we go into the first dark cave, and we begin going up the hill and as i'm sitting there just waiting for that first thing i suddenly feel and i'm like that's strange my hands are feeling like the spider web and i'm like why is why is there a spider web in the car my roller coaster car this is weird you know it's darkness we finally get to where we come out of the cave a little bit and there's some light and i realized that the girl sitting in front of me had really long hair and her hair was in my hands <laughs> i wasn't playing with a spider web i was playing with her hair and down we went the first shoot whoosh and as we went her long hair started flowing backwards in my face and it was just it was crazy uh, but we had a fun week at disneyland and we filled up every day we one day no joke i kept track on my little meter we walked over 10 and a half miles at disneyland and that didn't even include standing in line but so it seems like a long time since i've been here preaching i'm glad to get back at it we were in the book of colossians And uh, we're looking at how Paul had sent a letter, but these are Jesus's words to the Colossians. And I will tell you this morning that as we're going and Paul is telling them, hey, the gospel, the same gospel that came to you, Colossians, is going out all the world. It's bearing fruit. What he's doing is because he's beginning to ramp up in this first chapter to present them with Jesus. This is all a, a, a primer kind of going up that hill, that, that, that roller coaster hill until whoosh, you're right there. You're at Jesus. So that's where we're getting to. That's coming up. But he's again approaching them and getting them ready for that moment. So he's talking with them as we go. We saw last week, as I said, that the gospel had been going out. It had gone to the Colossae, it had gone all around the world. And, and so we pick up in verse 9 of Colossians chapter one, it says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing 
in the knowledge of God. So Paul begins this section and says, hey, we thank God because we've seen what he's doing in you and all the world. We see this this fruit being born. But but now we don't stop praying for you, Colossians. Why? Because we want you to be filled with a knowledge of the will of God. We want you to know what God's will is. Isn't that something that you want? You know what? I know it is. You know how I know that? It's one of the questions I get asked most. Pastor, how can I know the will of God? How, I know, how do I know what the Lord is saying to me? How do I know what, what he wants for my life? How can I know that? Paul says, I'm going to pray for you so that you know it. I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. It's not some secret that he's just tucked away. But as people are drawn closer to God, he actually tells them what's on his mind. He'll tell them what his will is. The problem is usually human beings don't want to get close enough to hear the reality of what God's will is. Because Paul says in those verses that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Usually we want to come and know what the Lord's will is, but we don't want to grow in that maturity. We don't want to have the wisdom and the understanding. We just want to come to him and make sure that the will of God lines up with our demands. This is what I want in my life, and this is my comfort. I want things and my path to be so straight. And Lord, if you make that your will, we'll be fine. Paul said, no, I'm going to pray for you so that you don't go and take your will into God. I'm going to pray that God come, comes and tells you his will. I want you to grow in wisdom. I want you to have understanding of what he's doing. And ladies and gentlemen, that means that we must mature in our faith. And we've got a mixed up view of maturity because Jesus says, if you want to be mature in your faith, become like a child in their faith. Why? Because a child knows when they're in the presence of the king. A child knows when he says, I can't do anything for myself. I need the help of my dad. You go to the Lord saying, I need help. What is your will? What are you doing, Lord? That's where wisdom and understanding is. The book of Proverbs written by Solomon, who many considered the wisest man. The scripture says he was the wisest man. He says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fools despise wisdom. What he says is in order for you to know God and the knowledge of his will, you have to fear him. You have to understand who you're coming to, who you're dealing with. You're not just dealing with your neighbor. You're dealing with almighty God. And Paul says, I'm going to pray that you come to a knowledge of the will of God and wisdom and understanding. When we were kids, and I know they still have these. I've seen them in the toy shops. But there was this little toy called the Magic 8-Ball. Anybody ever play with the Magic 8-Ball? It looks like a, a, a billiard ball, the 8-Ball. And it's black, and it's got this little window inside. And when you, when you shake it up, there's this little thing that kind of comes up into that window and gives you an answer. And so you can ask the Magic 8-Ball like a yes or no question like, um, am I going to win the lottery? Hey, that sounds like a pretty good question. Surely that's the Lord's will. Let me ask the magic eight ball. So you could, you could shake that up and you look into that window and up floats the thing and it will say something like yes, no, or you, you bet your life on it. You know, it'll give you some kind of answer, but you look into that magic eight ball and you want it to tell you what you want it to tell you. And a lot of times we kind of approach prayer more like God's just the magic eight ball. Let me shake him up a little bit and I, oh, that's not the answer I want. Let me shake it up again. That's what I always did with the magic eight ball. I'd ask it the question. I keep shaking it until it told me yes. <laughs> That's how you play that game. That's often how we approach the Lord. 
Here's my request. Now I'm going to keep bothering you and tell me until you tell me yes. And what the Lord says is, no, I'm going to shake you up. I'm going to tell you the knowledge of my will. Because it has more to do with you just getting your way. You know, usually we approach the Lord in prayer with a list of demands as if it's like a, a hostage negotiation or something. Or more like when we, we, we approach the cashier at McDonald's and we say, all right, I want the Big Mac, the meal. That's right. I, I want it large sized. No, I didn't want Coke. I want a sweet tea. You know, that's, you know, we approach God like that and say, here's what I want. We list our, do you get that order right? Rather than saying, Lord, what's your order? What do you want? For, what would be healthy and nourishing for me? You know what? It's probably best I don't have the sweet tea right now. I don't need those kidney stones. You know, the Lord knows what's best for us. And he, he had said there that he wanted them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It said in verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. See, he's working in your life so that you don't live in a manner worthy of the world. You know, we think if things work out that you know, we'll be more presentable to the world. We want people to like us. That's not what God said the intention of your life is. But rather to wor- live in a manner worthy of him. That when you became a child of the king, that when you go out, you'd be honorable to the name that was given to the family. You're a Christian. You're walking in a manner worthy of being a Christian. And he goes on and says this, that you're not only walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, but you'd be fully pleasing to him. And to make that known what it is, being pleasing to him isn't what we think is pleasing for him. Doing things that are pleasing to the Lord is asking him, what is pleasing to you? Then let me do those things. It's kind of like this. A lot of times men, when it comes down to buying your wife the anniversary gift, you better get that one right, right? But what do we do? We usually say, I'm going to please her. Why? I'm going to go buy the latest gadget. I'm going to buy a big screen TV. And it's going to be good for both of us. Now, is that pleasing to your wife? Come on. You know, you think it will because, yeah, then we'll be able to watch the big game together. We'll be able to be romantic and watch the romantic comedy that we like on TV because I bought her the TV. Now, who was that really pleasing? See how that works? We know in marriage we mess it up all the time. And God will usually do the same thing. I'm pretty sure this will please him. Let me go do that. No, what, what pleases him is Jesus. And when we're operating in obedience with Jesus, that's what pleases God. That's what pleases God. And he goes on and says not only that, but bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. Let me tell you a secret. Just being busy doesn't equal bearing fruit. Okay. Just because our church places a whole lot of things on the calendar doesn't mean that our church is bearing fruit. We can get busy doing a whole lot of nothing. We can get busy doing a whole lot of things that aren't Jesus-oriented, that are not pleasing to him, that are not according to his will, that have nothing to do with glorifying him, but everything to do with just keeping us busy. And we might think it's okay. You know, sometimes we're disappointed when things come off the calendar, aren't we? But I believe that sometimes maybe the Lord wants to hack things off our calendar. That may actually be more healthy for us if we're getting too busy. And that's not a commentary on any certain thing. I'm not saying that at all. I've had conversations with many of you. Where I've, I've, I've talked with you about your life. 
You said, I'm going this way, I'm going that way. I say, hey, cut. Ask the Lord what you can cut out. You'll be more focused. You'll be doing the things the Lord wants you to. It's okay to say no. Because being really busy doesn't mean that you're bearing fruit. Doing what Jesus told you to with his strength and his power. And for his glory. Bears fruit. And it said that then you would. The prayer was that you would also be increasing in the knowledge of God. When you came to faith, you learned about Jesus. And as you continue to mature and you become, you know, the knowledge of his will and you grow in wisdom and understanding and you you learn what it is to please him. You go do those things easy. uh, There comes a time sometimes when it's easy to say, well, I know enough. No, you need to keep growing in the knowledge of him. You need to you need to go. You need to learn him. You need to grow closer to him and desire him to get into his word to mature there. That's why you go to things like revival. That's why you go to things like Bible study. That's why you sit, even though your rear end's tired, through my long sermons. We are attempting, through the Lord's word, to grow in the knowledge of God. And this is important because as we ramp up over the next several weeks, we're going to go through what I'm going to call Jesus 101. Do you know him? I come down this aisle and I say, what do you know about Jesus? What do you know about Jesus? And let me ask you something. Those are great answers. Now, I I grabbed this microphone for a prop. I wasn't going to ask any of you. But I want to ask you this question. How many of you sweated? Right. What am I going to say? What what do I know about him? It's not always a microphone that gets put in your face. It's when somebody comes along your path and they're desperate and they need to know Jesus. And you need to be able to say, this is what I know about Jesus. Do you know him enough? Do you have knowledge about him to be able to take somebody to take your children, to take your neighbor, to take your spouse and to say, here's Jesus. These are the basics, and these are more that I know. Do you know him? We're going to start going through Jesus 101. By the end of this, you should be like, he is this, he is this, he is this, he is this, he is this. Colossians 1 is one of the greatest passages about who Jesus is. And we are not to be lazy and dull. The scripture says we are to grow in the knowledge of him, get to know him better, and enjoy it. It's good. So whether the pastor shoving a mic in your face or a desperate non-believer is saying, who is this guy who's changed your life? You could say, let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Your prayer life, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. What he's wanting to do through all those situations and the hard things and the good things in your life is to get you to come closer to Jesus, to know him, to be intimate with him, and to realize that it's about him, and it's what he's doing in your life to bring others also towards him so that he can be the all in all. He is supreme. Remember, we had gone through the magic kingdom. We had rode many rides. We'd had wonderful food. We'd seen the characters and 
just enjoying ourselves. We'd gone throughout the kingdom. And then on the last day we were there, we said, we, you know what? We better get in line to meet, meet Mickey Mouse. You, you can't go to Disneyland and not meet Mickey Mouse. So we went and stood in line. And it was a, a beautiful room that had a, a, a roped walkway where you, you stand in line. And so we, we waited our turn and we, we got into this room. And there he was. And the kids that were in that room, when they came in, I mean, they just walked with, with their, their jaws open and their eyes big because there, there was Mickey. There was, there was the one. I was going to say there was the man. He's not a man. He's a mouse. There's the mouse. There is the mouse. And as they got into that room, yeah, they had experienced all the good times of the rides, but as they got into the room with the mouse himself, Mickey, there was a fear there. It was like they couldn't believe they were in the presence of the one. And yet they would approach and as our kids came forward, Mickey Mouse turned around and said, Oh, good, you made it. Come on over here. And there was that, okay, I'm going to go talk to a big mouse moment. <laughs> and he talked with them. And here's the one in charge of the whole magic kingdom. And yet he took moments to be dear with children. Ask them about their lives. And to take them close in and to take a few expensive pictures. But there was that mixture of being in awe and having fear. But then realizing this is the great mouse. He's in charge of everything. You know, he brought me close. And I remember one little girl who was just before us. It was time to leave and... She's walking away, just remembering him, looking at the mouse. And in a moment, she just struck out in a run back to Mickey Mouse and gave him a big old hug. And then she just walked out skipping. And she was, she was ready to go back out to the kingdom. And you know what? She went out with more skip in her stepwife. She had met the mouse. She met the one in charge. He took her in. He loved her. He talked with her. He, she was so much more ready to go explore his kingdom. Now, I know it's kind of odd to equate a mouse with God Almighty. But when you recognize that it's Jesus in the middle, it's his kingdom. He is the king and you come into his presence. We are to approach with awe and fear. That's the beginning of knowledge, Proverbs said. But then we understand as we get into his presence, it's not about us. It is about him. He's in charge of all this. It's good that we get to know him. It's good that we draw near and he's made a way possible by him dying for us. He's made a way possible by him making us clean and inviting us in. And then he says, oh, you're finally here. I've been waiting for you to come and to my presence. I want to I tell you about my kingdom. I want to tell you about myself. I want to tell you about all the wonderful things that I've done. I want you to know me. Come on in here. I, I want to I show you how much I love you. I don't think we even have the slightest understanding of how much jesus loves us i know we sing the song yes jesus loves me the bible told me so his love is way more immense than we could ever imagine 
And he says, come and draw near. Get to know me. Come in prayer and know the knowledge of me. I want to take you in. In our sin, we often resist and say, no, I want to go back out. My demand is that I go to the front of the line of Pirates of the Caribbean. My demand is that I got to go be the princess in your kingdom. Whatever I want goes. There's a lot of that at the Magic Kingdom too. It's not about the princesses or the princes or the pirates. It's about the king. It's about the one in charge of the kingdom. And the Lord wants you to know him. He wants you to draw close to him. He wants to be more intimate with you. He wants you to grow in your faith. He wants you to gain knowledge, not just so you can take tests, but so that you can serve him. You can go out into his kingdom and you can enjoy what he has for you out there, not because it's full of rides and good times all the time, but so that you can be secure in the knowledge that the one you've been in prayer with, the one who saved you from your sins, loves you enough to go with you. He doesn't just stay there in that room. He's actually living in you. God Almighty loves you and he's with you and he's he's sent you into this world. As we go to prayer to him, we don't go to him with a list of demands. He said, oh, I've been waiting for you. Come tell me what's on your heart. And we can tell him all the things that are going on. The question is, what is our mindset in those things? Is it just me getting what I want? Or is it me saying, Lord, here's the situation. What is it you want? Two weeks ago at Bible study, our Bible diggers and Bible study on Wednesday night, we read the story about a blind beggar whose name was Bartimaeus. He was outside of Jericho, and as Jesus came along, he heard the commotion. He couldn't see him, but he heard the crowd. And he asked, what? what's that noise? And the crowd told him, It's Jesus of Nazareth coming through. The blind beggar. Seemingly having heard of Jesus. Cries out. Jesus. Son of David. Have mercy on me. And the crowd says. Leave him alone. Be quiet. Would you stop? Just leave the king alone. Okay. He doesn't need a. Deal with your circumstances, you blind, begging Bartimaeus. Doesn't stop him. He cries out again, knowing that Jesus is the rightful king from King David. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, the king. Have mercy on me. And Jesus says, bring him here. He comes. He comes. And Jesus says, what is it that you want me to do for you? See, that's like going into the king and he brings us close. He says, I love you. What can I do for you? And the blind man, Bartimaeus, says. I'd like to have my sight back. And part of that's ironic to me because the one guy who's blind in that crowd seems to have eyes to know who Jesus is. In his heart, he has faith. He believes. And Jesus tells him, it's your faith that's healed you. Because the eyes of the blind man are immediately healed. And he puts his eyes on Jesus. 
And what occurred in those moments wasn't just that his eyes were healed, but the Lord was doing something in Bartimaeus' heart. Because as Bartimaeus is healed, he can now see, but it says he begins to glorify God and he followed Jesus. He said, I don't just want to see now. I want to go where he goes. I want to be with him. I want to worship him. That's the guy. That's the dude. How do you approach Jesus in prayer? Jesus, I want my sight back. Or is it Jesus? I, I know you can give him my sight back. Would you heal me? And you know that in the healing of the eyes or whatever it is that you're praying for, whatever circumstance it is, that in the healing of those things and the powerful work of Jesus in those things isn't just about those things. He is working in your heart to make you understand who he is and what he's doing and how to draw you close and how he's going to use you. Has much more to do than just you. And so Bartimaeus healed, gets up and he goes and follows Jesus. He's a disciple. There's another story about a couple other blind people, almost the same thing happens. And he heals their eyes. Because they had faith that he could do it. And he tells them, now that I've healed you, don't tell anybody. I just, just keep it between us. And instead of doing what Bartimaeus did, where he was just like, whatever Jesus tells me, I'm just going to go where he goes. They go off and totally disobey Jesus and go to- tell everybody. Both of them had their prayers answered, but which one recognized the call and the command of the king, Bartimaeus did. Paul's praying that we would have a knowledge of the will of God. And as we place our requests before him, our lives before him, we must recognize that this is all about him. Everything, Jesus. Revival this week, it's about Jesus. It's not about begrudgingly coming in because I have to. You know, I am I'm so excited because I know Jesus needs to work in my heart. I know we have a preacher who loves him. I know that he's going to preach the gospel from the word of God. And I want him to sit me before Jesus and say, look at him. Things got to happen in here. The Lord's got to continue to get my eyes off of Jason and get my eyes onto Jesus. Some of you could see it on your face this morning. I even saw it on my wife's face. What the heck are you doing? Don't you believe in prayer anymore? Did you feel it? I totally skipped that portion of the service. When we went from announcements and we went straight into taking the offering. And I could tell people, like, what's going on? It's it's been in Disneyland too long. I wanted to make sure we were in the right place. I wanted to be sure that as we took to him our request, that we were going into that inner sanctum of the king, recognizing that as we give him our request, he gets to do whatever he wants. But be assured of this, whatever he does will be done in complete and utter love for you. It will. It may not be according to your timeline and it may not actually come up like the magic eight ball until it says yes. It may be a no. It may be a wait. It may be a you just don't understand it. (laughs) Just lay off it. But You know what? He loves you. We're going to go to the king. I didn't forget about prayer. I just wanted to make sure that we went in. We recognized whose presence we were in.
And so as we close today, we feel a response to the Word of God. And oftentimes we come down and we line, some people come down here to the front and, and pray at the altar. But this morning what we're going to do is we're going to have our prayer request time. And I want you to imagine, he's just turned around and said, oh, there you are. Now, come closer and tell me what's on your heart. So, Jesus is here. He's called together his people in this room. Let's tell him what's on our heart. Let's share with one another what we could be praying for. Let's put before one another the good things that our king has done. What's been going on out in the kingdom and say, you know what, this has been going on. I just want to give him thanks. Let's go to him in prayer. Let's pray this morning. What things could we pray for this morning? What things... Do we need to lift up before the Lord this morning in prayer?